You are Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Rockets postgame show. I'm your host, Ben DuBose of Sports Talk 790. This one, well, another unhappy one for the Rockets. 115-108 losers at home to the Utah Jazz. That drops them to 44-21 and on the year. And perhaps more importantly, it shrinks their lead over the Utah Jazz for the number three seed in the Western Conference to just three games. And well, the Jazz now have the tiebreaker over the Rockets after winning their second of three meetings between the teams this season. That's the third and final meeting. So it does make it a little bit dicey. The Jazz do have a tougher schedule coming up. Than the Rockets do. The Rockets, we talked about this being a six-game hell stretch. They're now two and two, four games in. So after these next two games, it is going to get a bit easier, but it at least puts the Jazz in the conversation for that three seed. Now, as far as how it happened, I know the other night we talked a lot about the officials. Folks, there's not much fishing to talk about with this one. The Rockets just went and got beaten by a better team. I know it shouldn't be that way. The Rockets entered the game four games up on the Jazz in the standings, and the Jazz were missing both George Hill and Derek Favors while the Rockets were just without Ryan Anderson. The facts are the Jazz led basically from start to finish. The Rockets had one two-point lead early. Other than that, the Jazz controlled the game. It starts with the glass led by Rudy Gobert. They were 45 to the Rockets, 31, a plus 14 advantage. And the rebound doesn't even tell the full story in terms of the impact Rudy has as a rim protector. Because the story of this, the game from a stat perspective is that the Rockets were just 8 of 32 on threes. And a lot of people are just going to look at the box score and say, well, it's yet another one of those games where the Rockets were just inexplicably poor from three. And when that happens, they tend to lose. Usually, I'm right there with you. Usually, the Rockets get their shots, and if they miss them, then it's just one of those games, and it happens when you're a high-variance team like the Rockets that shoots a lot of threes. That is not what happened tonight if you watch the game. Quite frankly, the Rockets did not get their usual looks. James Harden was 0 of 8 from 3. Most of them were contested, forced late in the shot clock when the Rockets had no other options. Eric Gordon was 2 of 7. The vast majority of his were forced. Pat Beverly was 1 of 4, and the only one he made was... uh, the one that was actually open. The fact is, because of the presence of Rudy Gobert, the Jazz did not have to help off the rocket shooters the way most teams do. It was pretty clear that the game plan for the Jazz was to simply let Harden get his, but they were not going to overcommit. They were not going to leave those shooters. And in the end, it was an unorthodox game for the Rockets because late in the game, Harden's a good enough finisher. Harden started a little bit slow, but he ended up with 35 points, uh, actually six assists. It's his first game with fewer than seven assists all year. And I think that speaks to the the defensive game plan the Jazz, led by Quinn Snyder, employed. Because with Rudy Gobert as the rim protector, they knew that he was a presence for, well, all 36 minutes that he played. And beyond that, I thought the Jazz were simply well-coached and showed good discipline in not leaving the shooters. Now, in addition to that, I think this is a game where the absence of Ryan Anderson could clearly be felt. Because it's not just that Ryan Anderson is a three-point shooter. It's that opposing defenses literally have to respect him out to the 27-foot mark. That does wonders for the Rockets' spacing and gives Harden the room he needs on those drives. The Rockets didn't really have that tonight. Now, late in the game, Harden did make plays off the dribble. Actually, I thought he finished pretty well in traffic uh, late in the game. 
But by that point, the Jazz had built up a big lead, and quite simply, the Rockets were not going to climb the mountain without hitting a few threes, and the Rockets were just not getting the open looks. And so you credit Utah for how they defended. You also have to note the absence of Ryan Anderson because, well, as much as we get frustrated with the ups and downs in his statistical performance, the Rockets do maintain that he is very important offensively to what they do, and I thought that could clearly be seen tonight. Now, the other factor beyond that, I thought the depth was a real issue. You look at what the Rockets got off the bench. Nene, uh, Mike D'Antoni didn't tell us before the game, but it was pretty clear that, that he was resting tonight. So the Rockets only played three guys off the bench. Lou Williams, Sam Decker, and Montrez Harrell. And Harrell actually hadn't played in four games entering tonight. Now, to Montrez's credit, he actually played the best of the three. He had 12 points, 5 of 6 shooting in his 16 minutes. But the other two, Lou Williams was minus 16 in his 23 minutes, 2 of 10 from the field. Sam Decker was minus 22, by far the worst on the team, had just two points and one rebound in 21 minutes. He was absolutely abused by Boris Diaw, who was a uh, team best plus 12 for the Jazz, and Boris Diaw is not nearly the player that he used to be. So I think that speaks to a problem that the Rockets have depth-wise. I've been beating the drum for a while, and I'm going to say it more after this game. The Rockets need to figure out something to do with that roster spot. That's why they made those trades at the deadline. I realize their plan A on the buyout market, uh, Andrew Bogut, and maybe they were also interested in Jose Calderon. Those didn't work out. But the Rockets need to bring in depth, even if it is filler depth. I don't care at this point if it's someone like Luis Scola. The Rockets are going through a rough patch. They need even when everyone's healthy, it's questionable whether Sam Decker and Trevor Ariza, those minutes of the four, are optimal. And so now you have Ryan Anderson with this back injury. I know they're saying that it's nothing structural, it's just soft tissue, but the fact remains, these are big games for the Rockets. This let the Jazz back in the conversation for the three seed. The game the other night in San Antonio, that was a heavyweight prize fight. For Ryan Anderson not to come back after what he was suffering through, I think that speaks to the level of pain he's in. As I told you guys, I also saw him at practice on Friday, kind of grabbing, massaging his back a little bit. So do I think it's a long-term problem? No, but I don't think it's as simple as, well, he's going to come back in a couple of days and it's going to be like the thing never happen. Backs are tricky, and the Rockets were never the deepest team in the league to begin with. Now you're sitting here without Ryan Anderson. You have an open roster spot. I know there's no one on the buyout market that is out of this world in terms of their ability. I know we're talking about guys like a 36-year-old Luis Scola who are marginal at best, but folks, Sam Decker tonight was not marginal at all. You had an eight-man rotation with Sam Decker playing 22 minutes, and he was a minus 22 in those minutes with two points and one rebound. That is absolutely not good enough. His three-point stroke is gone. I'm still very bullish on Sam Decker long-term in the NBA, but right now his three-point shot is broken. We can all see that. I don't know if it's fatigue, rookie wall, so to speak, whatever it may be, but he's not nearly as active on the glass as he was earlier this year. And those are easy minutes to upgrade, even when... Ryan Anderson is playing. Now you factor in Ryan Anderson being out tonight, and even when he comes back, I think you probably want to manage those minutes a little bit down the stretch of the year so you make sure that back is fully cleared up by the playoffs. They need to do something sooner rather than later with that roster spot. I know the sexy thing to do, and I've talked about it at times, is to stash prospects and try and get the best long-term fit that you can. But folks, this is a season in which the Rockets approach the trade deadline under the uh, belief that, well, they could make a push against the Warriors. I wouldn't call them anywhere near co-favorites, but they clearly made the move like they did for Lou Williams to go all in on this season and give themselves the best chance. Well, the Rockets now have an open roster spot and a clear need, and they need to do something with it. Because if you want to point to a stretch in which the Rockets really lost this game, late in the third quarter, the Rockets, you know, they were down double digits at half. They got it to six points midway through the third quarter when Rodney Hood committed his fourth foul. 
they had it down to three points with about three minutes left in the third quarter when uh, Rudy Gobert went to sit for six minutes from about the under three timeout to the under nine in the fourth. And the Jazz actually expanded the lead with Gobert on the bench and Hood in foul trouble. That's how poor the Rockets' production was off the bench. And of course, Sam Decker's the uh, first name that pops to mind, but Lou Williams, folks, he's just not uh, producing. For the last four games now, he is eight of his last 39. And what really sticks out, tonight he was actually two of five from three, six of seven from the line, had 12 points all in the first half. Actually, he was decent from behind the arc, hit a couple of threes, uh, did draw foul, draw foul on another three. The problem for Lou, he's not finishing in traffic. That was a story for the Rockets. A lot of guys tonight. Now, you can say that uh, Rudy Gobert's presence has a little bit to do with that, but Lou, off the bench, he was not going up against Rudy Gobert that much. He just simply missed shots on penetration. Pat Beverly and Eric Gordon. Gobert wasn't back when Beverly missed that layup late in the game. Uh, Gordon had some as well that I didn't think Gobert was involved in. So, point blank, the Rockets need to finish better. But the other thing I'm going to go with this, when Lou Williams, this is a guy you traded a first-round pick for, and when the Rockets made this deal, I said that by efficiency, this is from David Locke, who I worked with tonight on the Jazz broadcast. I was doing stats for him. David pointed out that when the trade was made, Lou Williams was a top 20 efficiency offensive player in the entire NBA. And that's why he believed the Rockets to be the best offense after making that deal. Well, quite frankly, the last four games, he hasn't been. He's 8 of 39. He's a net negative. So when you have Lou Williams as a net negative and you have Ryan Anderson not playing at all, and you essentially have just an eight-man rotation and two of them and Decker and Williams being enormous negatives tonight, the Rockets, quite simply, just did not have the playmakers. I know it's crazy to say that on a team that we've seen score 140 points, but right now... It's one of those things they grinded. The only reason they were even close in this game was because of unlikely contributions from the like of, likes of Clint Capella and Montrezl Harrell. Clint Capella and Montrezl Harrell against Rudy Gobert. Now, they did get out-rebounded. Well, actually, no, let's give Clint credit. Clint had 12 rebounds, actually out-rebounded Rudy, although Rudy had a couple of big... Um rebounds late, including the tip-in with about two minutes left, and it felt like the Rockets were really pushing. He outworked Clint for position there, and that was big. But by and large, Capella, 12 rebounds, Gobert, 10. Let's give him credit. But really, where I look at the two centers for the Rockets, Capella and Montrez, where they made their mark was offensively. Those two guys, largely against Rudy Gobert, 31 points on 14 of 19 shooting. It was a very uncharacteristic game for the Rockets because, well, Harden couldn't hit from three at all, but he made his plays off the dribble and even in the mid-range game a little bit. Uh, the threes were not falling at all, but to offset that on a night the Rockets were 8 of 32 from three against a really good Utah team, the centers played above their heads. And so that's encouraging because you can say, well, if the Rockets made their threes, then, you know, they should have won this ball game. But the flip side, you can also say, wow, if Montrose Hill and Clint Capella didn't play above their heads, Rockets could could have lost this game by 15, and sadly, I think that might be uh, closer to the reality, because as I said, the, the truth of the matter of the Rockets' threes, they weren't really that open that they missed. The Jazz were not helping. The Rockets just couldn't get their normal looks. Now, the ultimate caveat, as I said, without Ryan Anderson, that did reduce the spacing quite a bit, but... Um, yeah, the Jazz are just a tough matchup, and at this point, we have to call a spade a spade. It's very similar to the dynamic we have seen uh, with the Miami Heat and Hassan Whiteside. They went 2-0 uh, against the Rockets. The Rockets did win their first game against the Jazz back in early November, but their last four games against the Jazz and Heat, they are 0-4, and it's pretty clear that centers like Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gobert give this team 
a lot of problems. That's why I've said for weeks that the Jazz, not the Grizzlies, are the perfect foil for the Rockets because Gasol does not have the ability to change shots all over the court. He is not that athletic, especially not at this stage of his career. Rudy Gobert is. That's the difference. So this is a tough matchup for the Rockets. I don't think it was the officials. It wasn't anything like that. There were a couple of odd calls late, but quite simply, the Jazz were just the better team and you give them credit. Now, closing thought, I will give you one silver lining. If there's any positive news you take out of the Jazz cutting this to three and now putting the three seed in play, it's that if if a team was somehow going to catch the Rockets for the three seed, you would much, much rather it be the Utah Jazz than the LA Clippers because that would slide you into a 4-5, presumably with the Clippers. I mean, outside shot of the Grizzlies. But the point is, the nightmare scenario for the Rockets would be falling to a 4-5 with the Utah Jazz. So worst case, you know, yeah, it's a 4-5, but, uh, it, you know, if it's not the Jazz, it's not the absolute worst case scenario. With that said, there's no way to really shine that up because if the Rockets blow a five-game lead for the three seed with only, uh, what was it? 19 games to go, then that's their own fault. And if they blow that lead, and as I mentioned, it's three now, but the Jazz do have a tougher schedule going forward. The Rockets do have the Bulls and Cavs coming up. Second, I have a back-to-back for the Cavs, so that game may not be as tough as it sounds. But the Jazz have a tougher schedule to close. If the Rockets blow that game, even if it's a favorable matchup, it's probably because there's something structurally going wrong with the Rockets. And if that's the case, it may not be about the Rockets. It may just be that the Rockets are not playing their best ball at the best time. For now, though, it's too soon to draw any conclusions like that. Fact of the matter is, the Rockets played very well on Monday night in San Antonio, one of the best teams in the league. Probably should have won that game. I think the uh, awful officiating had a lot to do with that. This was a bit of a one-off, and it was a one-off in a game that uh, you did not have Ryan Anderson, so there is a little bit of an injury reason for the struggles. You also have to mention that Lou Williams' production is incredibly uncharacteristic with what he's done, his body of work for the entire year, so there's reason to expect to bounce back for the Rockets, but we need to see it soon. And the other thing, folks, I'm going to keep harping on the bat roster spot there are too many net negatives on this team too little depth on the rotation you know that they don't trust Bobby Brown you know that while while Mike D'Antoni has trust in Montrezl Harrell he does not trust Mike uh he does not trust Montrezl Harrell to play the four spot so yeah when you look at the two three and four spots there are minutes to be had specifically the three and the four I shouldn't say the two because with Lou Williams Eric Gordon James Harden you're fine there but really it's those forward spots you need more bodies that you can trust specifically at the four because with the Rockets playing so small essentially just need as many shooters as you can get and right now they don't have it Sam Decker is not a shooter and Ryan Anderson well he's out and even when he's back I would think that uh, his minutes are going to be limited for the foreseeable future so right now the Rockets have an open roster spot and well even if the players in the market are more marginal marginal would have helped tonight that's all i know to say anyway i will wrap it there appreciate all you guys for listening i know the podcast has not been especially fun this week but keep in mind big picture perspective rockets are still 44 and 21 in the driver's seat for a top three seed in the western conference and the schedule is about to lighten up they're in chicago on friday night the bulls are a tough team but they're not as good as they were before the trade deadline and even before then they were a barely above 500 team so it's on the road but let's not make a um, mountain out of that game and then the cavaliers second night back to back and then you get the uh couple days off before the lakers the woeful lakers who are now in tank mode come next week so there is going to be a chance for the rockets to fatten up hopefully that also buys ryan anderson a little bit more rust for now uh, this game exposed what the weaknesses for the Rockets are. I think you can see clearly what the matchup problems uh, can be for the Rockets in the playoffs, and you just have to hope that, well, uh, Utah is not on uh, their side of the bracket. The good news is that they're not, but, well, if they push the Rockets to the 4-5, then all of a sudden you're probably staring at a second-round matchup with Golden State in the face, and really, if you blow with 
five-game lead for the three seed with 19 left. Uh, there's not many ways to polish that. Anyway, appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. My name is Ben Dubose. If you're not already following me on Twitter, you can do so at Ben Dubose. This is Locked on Rockets, your only daily podcast covering the Houston Rockets. You can follow us at Locked on Rockets. You can also email us, LockedOnRockets at gmail.com. Questions, suggestions, advertising inquiries, whatever you want to know about this basketball team or this program, we are happy to work with you. Back in action next Friday, uh, this Friday night, I should say, in Chicago. And so we will be talking with you then as the Rockets take on the Chicago Bulls in um in the uh, United Center. Jeez, I'm on the tip of my tongue and I couldn't come up with it. But yes, United Center, Rockets, Bulls, Friday night. For now, enjoy uh, the rest of your evening. Enjoy your Thursday. We'll be back with you Friday when the Rockets get back in action against those Bulls. Have a good night. Rush into Old Navy today for up to 50% off store-wide. Get dresses from $15 for women, $12 for girls. Plus, one day only tomorrow, take 50% off all Old Navy active at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid 1016 to 1020, select styles only. Active offer 1020 excludes in-store clearance.